From the silver screen to the printed page to the woods behind your house, incredible creatures are everywhere. For as long as I can remember, monsters have populated the landscape of my imagination. As a kid, I wanted to learn as much as I could about these legendary figures, and it turns out I still do. I'm Mark Matsky, and this is Monster Study Group. Come on in and make yourself at home. We have some classic monsters on the syllabus today. They're not quite as well known as some of their universal brethren, but if given the chance, Dr. Miracle and Eric the Ape can make an impression all their own. This diabolical duo drives the action of 1932's Murders in the Rue Morgue, starring Bella Lugosi and Sidney Fox produced by Universal Studios at a moment in cinematic history of tremendous significance for horror fans. The making of Rue Morgue is a tale with more twists than the film itself, one that grants us access to the disorienting, dysfunctional backlots and boardrooms of Universal City, as overseen by one Carl Lemley Jr., But before we get that far, there's some news and notes I'd like to share. First up, it was announced March 10th that Linda Miller is returning to G-Fest this summer. Linda starred in the Toho and Rankin and Bass collaboration King Kong Escapes as Susan Watson, alongside Rhodes Reason and Akira Takarada. I love this film. Mechanicong is one of my favorite things in movies. And Linda is great. The fans love her. She's very approachable. And with each announcement, G-Fest gets a little closer. Secondly, about a week ago, as of this recording... I learned that Monster Kid Radio has been nominated for a Rondo Award, which was really, really cool. The Rondo Awards are named after actor Rondo Hatton, whose unique facial features resulted in his being cast in horror roles in films like The Spider-Woman Strikes Back and The Brute Man. The awards themselves recognized the past year of horror media with some sci-fi thrown in, with podcasting being one of the categories. MKR has been nominated before and has won, so this is nothing new for Derek M. Cook, but all the same, it's an honor to be on the list and exciting to know that my beta capsule reviews are part of the mix, along with Kenny's famous Monsters of Filmland segments and everything else that goes into Monster Kid Radio. The main thing is knowing that there's still a group of people out there who genuinely enjoy the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear and are kind of looking to celebrate the stuff we like. One more thing, and I'll make it quick. It's been officially announced that one of the guest speakers for Small Town Monsters Monster Fest in Canton, Ohio, taking place June 3rd, 
is Lauren Coleman, renowned author, museum curator, and foremost cultural proponent of cryptozoology. We're very fortunate in that MonsterFest is one of the only, if not the only, conference appearance Lauren is making this calendar year. You may know this already, but as a kid, I was a serial checker-outerer of his book, Mysterious America, from our local library. And let's just say it was formative. For more information on MonsterFest, go to smalltownmonsters.com. A number of things came together at the right time for this study session on 1932's Murders in the Rue Morgue. The first was the release of Gregory William Mank's book, Angels and Ministers of Grace Defend Us, More Dark Alleys of Classic Horror Cinema, which happened in the second half of last year. Mank's book features a picture of Bela Lugosi as Dr. Miracle on the cover, and its first chapter is all about the universal picture. Around Halloween of 22, I listened to an episode of the Borgo Pass podcast about murders in the Rue Morgue, and it helped jog my memories about the film. Then there was an ebook acquisition that took place because of a flash sale, the title being It's Alive, followed by a somewhat random viewing of Rue Morgue on Blu-ray with my son Andy earlier this year. So it seemed as if this movie wanted some attention. I had seen it before a couple times, probably to one degree or another, but this time it seemed to demand closer inspection. Let's give it that, beginning with a plot synopsis from the TCM website. If you haven't seen Rue Morgue yet, this summary is going to tell you everything, so you might want to skip ahead, or better yet, go watch the movie and come back when you're done. In Paris in 1845, Pierre Dupin and his roommate Paul, accompanied by their respective girlfriends, Camille and Mignette, attend a carnival. They enter the tent of Dr. Miracle, who claims he is a scientist and exhibits Eric, his pet ape, to illustrate a lecture on evolution, proof of which can be found, he claims, by mixing the blood of a man and an ape. Believing Eric is attracted to Camille, Miracle orders his servant Janos to follow her home and obtain her address. Later that night, after witnessing a violent quarrel between two men that ends in their deaths, Miracle takes the woman of the street the men were fighting over into his carriage. In his laboratory, Miracle extracts a specimen of the woman's blood only to discover it is tainted, and the woman dies screaming on the rack. Miracle disposes of her body in the river, and she becomes the third such victim to be discovered there in a week. 
Pierre, a medical student, bribes the morgue keeper for a sample of the woman's blood and discovers that all three women died as a result of a foreign substance being injected into their blood. When Camille then receives a bonnet from Miracle with a note attached, asking her to return to the carnival tent, Pierre convinces her that Miracle could be dangerous. Going in Camille's place, Pierre finds Miracle uncommunicative about his experiments and secretly follows him to the lab. Later that evening, Miracle observes Pierre leave Camille, and when he is unable to persuade her to accompany him, Miracle orders Eric to abduct her. Meanwhile, Pierre deduces that the victims died from injections of ape blood and runs to Camille. Arriving too late, Pierre is detained by the police until he finds Camille's mother, strangled and stuffed up the chimney by the ape. The gendarmes follow Pierre to Miracle's lab, where Eric's blood is about to be mixed into Camille's veins. The gendarmes then shoot Janos while Eric kills Miracle. Eric climbs under the rooftops, carrying Camille with him. Pierre ascends after Eric and, shooting him, rescues Camille, while Miracle ends up as one more body in the morgue. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, the story of how Murders in the Rue Morgue came to be is full of false starts and real stops, in a way not at all unusual in old Hollywood. What gives this history a special fascination is the presence of a larger-than-life personality in Bela Lugosi, and this project's proximity to another production that defined a genre, Universal's Frankenstein. Greg Mank's book helps fill in the timeline with fact-based archival research. Angels and Ministers of Grace begins with a 35-page chapter devoted to Rue Morgue, in which he details the convoluted maneuvering of personnel from one project to another. To summarize, Junior Lemley had tapped director Robert Flory to direct Frankenstein, and Flory had overseen a screen test with Bela Lugosi in the Frankenstein monster makeup. Upon review of the footage, and taking into account Lugosi's apparent ambivalence at playing an essentially mute monster, Junior went in a different direction, bringing James Whale in to direct, and relative unknown Boris Karloff into the role of a lifetime, moving Flory and Lugosi over to Rue Morgue, where Bela was more than happy to have top billing and plenty of dialogue. Mank organizes the chapter as follows. Part one, pre-production. Here we learn a great deal about director Robert Flory, especially his stylistic leanings and visual concept for Rue Morgue. We're also introduced to female lead Sidney Fox, whose life was romantically intertwined at the time with none other than Junior Lemley himself. Part two, the shoot. This section describes the work that went into the massive carnival set that opens the movie and explains the jarring addition of real-life ape close-ups obtained at a nearby zoo, which suit actor Charles Gamora didn't know about until he saw the premiere. 
Part 3, The Release and the Impact. This details the critical and popular reactions to the movie. Part 4, Aftermath and Legacy, in which Mank asserts that Lugosi is the show with a performance that may be his very best. Readers also learn of Sidney Fox's ill-fated marriage to writer Charles Bean, which ends in tragedy. As usual, Mank writes skillfully, never shying away from the salacious lives of those who made these films, in fact, often leaning into them. But then again, he's not lying or exaggerating, just reporting the truth. Mank's style always entertains, but is saturated with deep research and analysis. And this extends to his live appearances and audio commentaries. To hear Greg Mank at work, I'd strongly recommend checking out the Monster Kid Radio podcast episodes 125 and 434. And one of my absolute favorite podcast episodes ever, Eric Martin's Cineversary, episode 52, Nosferatu 100th and Cat People 80th Anniversaries with David Callett and Greg Mank. Podcast perfection with my two favorite film historians doing what they do best. By the way, Cineversary is a great podcast. Eric Martin is super prepared and engaging as a host. And then, of course, Greg Mank's writing and presentation comes together in his audio commentary work, which shines on the Murders in the Rue Morgue Blu-ray, released by Scream Factory in 2019. This is an exceptional release. The print looks great, but more than that, we're treated to not only a Greg Mank commentary, but also one by Gary D. Rhodes, a top-notch film historian in his own right, who specializes in Bela Lugosi, having released numerous books about his movies and his life. Mank's commentary draws on the same resources as his book chapter, but is presented in response to the action unfolding on the screen. So it flows very naturally, and he enhances it with extra info and sometimes even a gentle riff or two. It certainly is scripted, which I tend to prefer to somebody just improvising at the microphone, but Mank also has the ability to narrate in a conversational style that does not at all sound like someone reading their term paper. Again, he and David Callett set the gold standard for this type of informative narration, as far as I'm concerned. And I guess it's obvious by now that commentaries are my favorite Blu-ray extras. Mank is one of the best. So if you're on a budget and his books are a little out of your reach, grab a copy of Rue Morgue, or Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, or The Black Cat, or Island of Lost Souls, the full list is at gregorymank.com. And enjoy.
There's another resource I want to mention at this point. Earlier, I referenced a book called It's Alive. It's by Julian David Stone, published by Greenleaf Book Group Press in 2022. I picked this up at some point early in its release. There was some incredible deal going on for the ebook edition, so I grabbed it. And I'm not sure how I first heard of it. Might have been in the advertisement itself, but it was billed as historical fiction having to do with Universal Studios and Junior Lemley. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I got it off my virtual shelf after watching Rue Morgue and started reading and had a very hard time putting it down. It's Alive is a total blast to read. It begins with three citations. Five months until the first day of filming Frankenstein. Lugosi in Frankenstein. Film daily, April 2nd, 1931. One month until the first day of filming Frankenstein. Bela Lugosi begs off from playing the monster in Universal's Frankenstein, Los Angeles Times, August 1st, 1931. Two weeks until the first day of filming on Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi or Boris Karloff as the monster. Letter from the director of Frankenstein, James Whale, to the film's lead actor, Colin Clive, August 10th, 1931. And then we're right into the action. Beginning Friday, August 21st, 1931, three days until the first day of filming on Frankenstein, running around with Junior Lemley, who's bumping into gossip columnist Luella Parsons, and trying to finalize casting on Frankenstein. When we first meet Bela Lugosi, he is practicing his opening scene in Rue Morgue, having rejected the Frankenstein monster role. Yet Junior is still trying to talk him into taking it. Then, the reader is introduced to relative unknown Boris Karloff with $19.47 to his name. And this one very uncertain shot at success. From there, it's a roller coaster ride. Even though we know how it has to turn out, the suspense builds with no one really sure about who is doing what until the 11th hour and 59th minute. Julian David Stone does a marvelous job of getting the reader into the minds of these characters in a way that feels genuine. The reader feels the mania of Junior's drive to be taken seriously, the hubris and humanity of Lugosi, the desperation of Karloff, figures such as Carl Emily Sr. and Sidney Fox also spring to life in the telling of the tale, as do directors Robert Florey and James Whale. Historical fiction is not usually my thing, but Stone does not play loose with the facts, and where he uses his imagination to fill in thoughts and conversations, there's a grounded plausibility, almost as if the historical sketches made by Greg Mank have come to life and are acting out what happened. I had an interesting reaction to this book. 
I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but I feel it's worth mentioning that there is a scary element to this story that has nothing really to do with vampires and undead monsters, and everything to do with naked ambition, the very human drive to justify one's own existence, the desperate scramble to prove one's worth in the sight of others, the demand for respect reserved for the brightest star of the moment. In a way, you as the reader are rooting for all of these people to succeed, but you can't help but notice their intense desire to make it to the top is destroying each of them in their own way. It's not obvious that Stone intended this reaction. It may be embedded in the nature of the Hollywood Dream Factory itself. Apparently, I find that more disturbing than a mad scientist or marauding gorilla. Speaking of which, one last resource shout-out, this time to the Lost Films fanzine, Issue 5, Spring 2021, published by John LeMay, which features a cover story about Charles Gamora, the suit actor who played Eric the Ape in Rue Morgue, and according to some estimates, played a gorilla well over a hundred times. In addition to the wonderful information in the article, it also reproduces a number of storyboards drawn by Gamora himself, which were used to pitch the movies The Lady and the Gorilla and The Big Thaw, both of which never entered production. So if you haven't seen Murders in the Rue Morgue, should you make the effort to do so? I'd say yes, especially if you appreciate Bela Lugosi and you want to see him in his cinematic prime. And bear in mind, he turned 49 during the shoot of Rue Morgue. I'd also say it's worth the effort because of the gorgeous look of the film as captured by the lens of Carl Freund Freund's resume is astounding, as he was cinematographer on The Gollum, Metropolis, Dracula, Key Largo, and directed The Mummy with Boris Karloff and Mad Love with Peter Lorre and Colin Clive in starring roles. That's just a small fraction of his work. There's a rich, carefully considered quality to every shot in the film, which most accounts say director Robert Flory was going for, so the two were working in common purpose. The actors and their performances were almost incidental, which sets up the biggest contrast between Rue Morgue and its cousin Frankenstein. There's one remarkable performance in Rue Morgue, and it's Lugosi, He's magnetic. He owns this role. As Greg Mank says, he is the show. Having said that, is Dr. Miracle a household name? Well, in my household, yes. And a handful of others, but not in most. By contrast, Frankenstein boasts two iconic performances in Colin Clive's tortured doctor, and Karloff's anguished monster, 
with instant worldwide name recognition. Lugosi wanted a role like Miracle, and he got it. And the world got Karloff's monster in the deal. I'd say the moviegoers were the winners of that trade. that'll do it for this week's Skull Session. I hope you'll seek out Murders in the Rue Morgue. And if you do, let me know what you thought on Instagram at Monster Study Group. Thanks for listening. And if you find yourself in Paris, keep an eye out for horse-drawn carriages bearing killer gorillas. That's probably sound advice wherever you go.